So different markets have different things. Mostly we see about 3%. We do some own, own some stuff in the um, Atlanta Metro though. And that market is just very, very hot. So you can even push up to four, even 5% we've seen. Uh, but kind of our typical is, is 3% annual bumps. Welcome to your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Jim Pfeiffer, and today our guest is Grant Reeves. He is co-founder and managing director of Stoic Equity Partners, a firm focused on value-add, multi-tenant, flex-industrial properties in the Southeast. Today, we talked about why Grant loves self-storage but pivoted to focus on multi-tenant, flex-industrial, why they look for deals in secondary markets, why, why they use third-party property management. And then Grant talked about how to vet an operator, how to analyze the deal in this industrial asset class, and much more. Grant, welcome to the show. Let's, let's start out with who you are and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so my name is Grant Reeves. I'm co-founder and managing uh, director of Stoic Equity Partners. We are a commercial real estate investment firm uh, based in Fairhope, Alabama. Most people probably don't know where that is. It's down near Mobile on the Gulf Coast of Alabama. Uh, about 45 minutes from Florida. Um, but yeah, started out right after college, went to U our Auburn University, uh, kind of north part of the state, and then got into commercial real estate brokerage right after that. Um, always specialized for the most part in limited service hospitality. Uh, started off with kind of a regional firm uh, down here on the coast, and then kind of moved over later on to Marcus Millichap, the national firm, to do um, kind of bigger properties and, and throughout the country. So I've sold stuff. Kansas, Texas, all of the Southeast, Carolinas, Florida, um, all that. So, so that was a lot of fun. I did that, I guess, from 2013 to around 2020, 2021 is kind of when I started transitioning out of that. Um, my business partner, Jeremy Friedman, we started the firm together. Uh, we were both brokers together at that regional firm that I started at. And then kind of quick backstory on him. He was a, um, a bond uh, broker in Memphis for a long time ended up in commercial real estate through around 2010, 2011. And then we met in 2013, 14. And um, so throughout 2013 to 2020, we um, always remained friends, but but we're just kind of working on our own stuff. But through COVID actually, everything had come to a stop. We had some time to kind of sit down, start talking about getting on the principal side, raising money. It's something we always wanted to do. And so that's really kind of how Stoic came to be. Uh, Formed the LLC actually in 2020, started underwriting deals, chasing deals, all that kind of fun stuff. And then um, did our first deal in 21 actually, um, which was really nice. And so, but yeah, it was really funny actually how we came together. Again, we'd always talked about getting on the principal side, but never really done much work on it. Um, but around 2019, I decided to get really serious about it. So started taking a lot of online classes, watching videos, reading books about underwriting and, um, we knew commercial real estate really well, but actually like the operations of a LPGP structure. Uh, so I'd spent, I'd say probably a year at that point, really figuring that out. And then when Jeremy called me in 2020 during the COVID situation, uh, he was like, man, I, I have this building. I really want to put it together, but I have no idea how to structure it. I don't know how to raise money. I don't know how any of that works. And I was like, well, fortunately, I've spent the last nine months of my life figuring that out. So it worked yeah. pretty well for us. Good timing. Um, it was, it was, it, it worked really well. And so that, that deal, unfortunately, did not come to fruition. It was an office building, and our whole plan was to get it under contract. Um, it had like two years left on the lease, get it under contract, get the tenant to extend out the lease, um, and then flip out of it for a much lower cap rate. Um, I think we put it under contract the second week of 2020, 
uh, March 2020, sorry. So <laughs> office obviously wasn't going great there. So the conversation right. quickly went from, you know, um, went from, yeah, we'd love to extend out our lease to this work from home things working okay to, hey, we're not going to do the deal at all. And so that was actually the first deal we ever bought. We bought it a year later and um, they paid us to get out of their lease and we turned it into self-storage. So came around. Interesting. So you started with self-storage and you, you did that for a, for a couple of years. Can you talk about your experiences there and then also why the transition to now um, multi-tenant flex industrial? Yeah. So we live in a, in a high growth area. So housing is very popular. Self-storage is very popular. That's, that's kind of the, the two biggest asset classes. Um, we ended up in self-storage primarily just from that office building we had put under contract. Once the tenant did not want to extend and did not want to review, we, oh, we did have it under contract at this point, but we always just kind of kept an eye on it and we we're trying to figure out something to do there. And so I had the idea for self-storage, started talking to people in the industry. We have some friends that own some self-storage and, and really dug in at that point. Um, so that was our first deal. We went, then went on and, and did a couple other acquisitions and then also just see about a month ago, a, a ground up development. Um, we love, love the fundamentals of, of storage, uh, still do. I think that long-term that asset class is going to do really well. Uh, but immediately that market had gotten really hot, especially in the markets we play in. And so it just got to the point to where we couldn't really scale in that asset class very, very effectively just because of, of frankly, the, a lot of oversupply that needs to be good kind of gobbled up over the next few years. Again, I think it'll work out in the long run. It just, for us, we needed to be able to scale and, and grow our assets. And so we started looking at other opportunities. We always loved Flex Industrial. Uh, the fundamentals just really always made sense to us. We can kind of talk about that in a minute. And so we started looking at those deals, I'd say early 2022, and then bought our first Flex deal um, Q3, Q4 of 22. So we, we spent a lot of time really digging in, really understanding what we were buying how we were doing it. And we've gone on to buy, I guess we own six now, Flex Industrial Assets. We have three more under contract right now. Okay, great. And so what? What can you talk about why you decided Flex Industrial? And then also, what, what is it? I know we've, Industrial has yeah. been a very hot asset class, but multi-tenant Flex Industrial is a component of that, a subset of that. So can you, you talk about what that is and, and what you're seeing right now? Certainly. Uh, so, Obviously, there's a lot of different ways to explain Flex Industrial, and different people have different explanations for it. Um, people also call it Class B Industrial. They'll call it Shallow Bay. Uh, contractor garages kind of get mixed in there a little bit as well. Uh, but our definition, or what we like to buy, is, is a building that's 30 to 150,000 square feet, or a portfolio of a few buildings over a parcel, that's made up of office warehouse complexes. Um, easiest way to explain it is we own a, own a deal in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's 48,000 square feet. So it's offices on the front, roll-ups and dock houses on the back, and it's made up of 3,000 square foot office warehouse complexes all the way through. Um, and so through that, uh, your, your tenant mix is mainly going to be general contractors, um, like Terminex, uh, pest control kind of people. Um, what else? We have a lot of crazy kind of different tenants, but kind of the normal ones are a lot of times service-based. HVAC contractors, plumbers, um, those, those kind of tenants for the most part. So we have some national tenants and then also a large mixture of, um, of regional and local tenants as well. Okay. And how do you find, or how do you, how do you screen the tenants to make sure that they're able to pay rent, that they're good tenants and how long are the leases and what type are they, they net triple net leases mm -hmm. typically. Can you talk about both the, um, the, how you find tenants and screen them and then also what kind of the, the arrangements are. Yeah. 
So typical lease terms, or we like to be triple net if we can. We do buy certain buildings that are, say, already mod modified gross. We own one in, in Ridgeland, Mississippi, that it's 28 tenants and they were already modified gross. We'll own the deal for five years. It didn't really make sense to go in and make it to where half of them will be triple net by the time we sell another half are still modified gross. So we just kept those modified gross. But Can, can you talk about what part. modified gross is and the difference between that and triple net? Yeah, certainly. So triple net is that the tenant is paying for taxes, insurance, and common area maintenance, CAM, as a pass-through in addition to the rent. So for that building, the operating expenses are about $3 a square foot. So if you signed a lease at $10 triple net, their actual rent that they would pay would be $13 a square foot total. Um, modified gross is a mixture of how gross, I'll give that example, gross is where the landlord pays for everything. So the tenant just pays for, or just pays the rent. Landlord pays for utilities, CAM, taxes, insurance, the whole gamut. Um, but then a modified gross is somewhere in the middle of that. So typical modified gross that we see is that tenant is paying their own utilities, but then landlord is paying CAM, taxes, and insurance. Okay. Um, All right. That, that makes sense. Then, then can we dip back into how you screen the tenants and, and make yeah. sure that they're qualified and, and kind of some of the terms of the, the, uh, the deal? Certainly. So typical lease term is uh, usually three to five years, depending on if there's any build out that's needed or, or anything like that. But usually these are pretty turnkey spaces that that we're leasing. And uh, to be able to screen them, usually we're buying the buildings anywhere from 70 to 100 percent occupied. So we're inheriting a lot of tenants already that have been paying for a long time. So we always want to look at rent histories, make sure that there isn't a problem tenant that's late every single month or something like that and go ahead and move to try to get them out. But moving forward after that, we find tenants using local brokers. Um, so Flex Industrial is a very localized market. Uh, you don't really have a lot of large nationals. Like for instance, self-storage, you have a couple of brokers up in South Florida, Atlanta, New York, wherever, and they'll sell a lot of the, all the properties throughout the Southeast. Flex Industrial market is a lot of local leasing brokers, um, local sales brokers as well that we deal with. So that's how we source the tenants. Once a tenant comes to us, we get background checks on them, credit reports. And if it's a larger corporation, we'll get um, financials in the company as well. If it's a, like a nationally traded company and look at bond ratings and that kind of thing. And the uh, three to five year leases, do those include automatic increases or they do? They do? Okay. And, and how do you, yeah. what is that typically? So different markets have different things. Mostly we see about 3%. We do some own, own some stuff in the um, Atlanta Metro though. And that market is just very, very hot. So you can even push up to four, even 5% we've seen. Uh, but kind of our typical is is 3% annual bumps. Um, okay. And we like that kind of shorter lease term because you're able to mark your rents to market a decent amount. Uh, so that obviously we all know the past three years inflation has been running pretty hot. So being able to, to redo your rents a lot is, is very helpful. And how how should investors look at this asset class right now? Because it has been very popular. It's one of the hottest mm -hmm. asset classes over the last few years, especially with, you know, onshoring and, and all the things that have been happening in, in the economy. So is it is it still is it still hot? Is it still going? Does it still have room to grow? Can you kind of talk about how you see it now and maybe how you see the the you know near future of industrial? Certainly. And so First off, the, city, the markets that we play in are, are primarily secondary cities in the southeast, so populations of around a million. So that's going to be Memphis, Tennessee, Birmingham, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi, or things just said Jackson, Mississippi, but um, Little Rock, Arkansas, places like that. So we don't really want to play in the big tier one markets and compete against REITs and that kind of 
those kind of people. But for the most part, there's three main reasons why we think Flex Industrial does really well. It's very low supplied with a lot of demand. Nobody's built any of the product really in most of the markets play in the past 20 years and increasing more and more um, demand as those markets, sub markets grow, but there's no more supply. Um, we're also buying them below replacement cost, which is huge. We're buying on average about $93 a square foot. Uh, we have looked at building this product and it cost anywhere from 140 to 150 a square foot to build. So we're buying it way less than it costs to build it. Um, and then third is protected from the work from home piece. I mean, obviously anyone here's office warehouse, they key in on the office piece, but if you need 70% of your workspace to be warehouse, you can't go work from home. That's a manufacturer, that's a logistics company, that's somebody that needs a place for people to be able to go work. They're not going to go work over Zoom and, and do a logistics company. That just wouldn't work. Um, and then also kind of back on the supply demand piece of things, the fact that we're able to buy below replacement costs is mainly because the rents don't support new construction. So it really protects the supply coming in on top of us because most of the markets we play and we see rents from call it eight to 11, maybe $12 a square foot. To be able to make a deal work, if you're building it for 140 to $150 a square foot, your rents would have to be 15, 16 bucks. So no one is coming in a building on top of us. If they ever did, because there is so much supply, and we do think that somebody eventually will just say the supply will be there, the people are just going to pay more on rent, that will actually help us out because we'll be sitting next door at $10 rents. We can push to 13, 14 and still be undercutting the new competition down the street. Um, so it's a really great place to sit, mainly on the supply demand kind of metrics overall. Okay. And then what's, what's the exit? If, if someone's investing with you and, and you're, you're buying an, a new property, what, what's the projected exit? How long, who are you selling to? Are you selling to the REITs? Is anyone rolling all these small properties up into, into bigger packages? How, how do you envision that going? Yeah. So we mainly do five years, deal, five year deals. We have a fund open right now for flex industrial and that's a five year closing ended fund. And most of our syndications are also five year deals. Um, we do look at certain markets to roll those up. So Jackson, Mississippi, I've mentioned a couple of times, we own a few buildings there already. We have 158,000 square foot portfolio under contract there right now to close next month. And so we will roll up specific markets and sell those off, but we won't sell, say the whole fund to one REIT just because these are a little bit more fragmented properties. But um, usually your exit's gonna be to a more stabilized PE shop kind of like ours. We're a value add shop, so we won't hire IRRs, take a little bit more risk on that to be able to, to get those returns. There's a lot of buyers out there that won't really stabilize um, flex industrial properties that we can sell to. Um, mainly we're buying stuff in the seven and a half, eight and a half cap rate kind of range. And we expect that to, to stay the same. It could compress a little bit, but we don't really underwrite that. We always be very conservative on, on our exit caps for that reason. Okay. And yeah. and so at left field investors, you know, we're we're a community of limited partners. And so the, the main thing we look at is we want to vet the operator and then we want to analyze the deal. So how would a an LP vet an operator like you where you've you, you, you're kind of new to industrial, you're in self-storage a while, mm -hmm. so you're an established company, but you're in a, a newer asset class. So how do we vet you to make sure that, you know, you're capable of doing all that you say you are? Yeah, and we actually own a lot more industrial than we do self-storage. So we own 10 deals currently, uh, about 500,000 square feet, 300,000 of that is industrial. Um, we have another 374,000 under contract. So, I mean, we're well over two thirds industrial now. But um, how we are set up in-house, we have a full-time asset manager, we have in-house accounting, we have two accountants in-house, and then we have um, 
we also have our analyst, myself, and Jeremy, my business partner, is kind of how that the management team works. And then we use local management. So we use a usually a national commercial real estate firm. So NAI or Collier's or Cushman Wake or a firm like that to do the on the boots or on the ground uh, management. We find that to be much easier as well as they are located in that Memphis, Tennessee market. They know the good contractors. They know the good landscaping companies. That doesn't make sense for us to be in Alabama and go out on a, on a limb to know how to um, go learn landscaping companies in Memphis. And so we use local management as well as local brokers to do our leasing. Uh, that's been really great as far as on the acquisition side, um, because we get to see a lot of deals before they actually get to market because people know that we'll use them for management and then for leasing, as well as um, just from an operational piece, we're able to go into a single market, have five different buildings with one management company. We get to know them really well and then have mainly Matt, um, our asset manager works hand in hand with leasing agents of the property managers, as well as Haley, our head accountant. Um, who oversees the property manager's numbers as well. Okay. And then as far as analyzing the the deal, um, what specifically should investors look at when when they're, I know you, you have a fund, but you also have some yeah. individual deals. So how does an investor look at this and decide, okay, this is the deal that I want to get in, or this is the fund that I want to get in? What should they be looking at and evaluating? Aside from, aside from the uh, the operator, sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. So besides the operators, I would mainly look at, at if they're looking at a few different flex industrial funds and trying to compare them to each other. Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, or, or if they're if they have, you know, limited amount of cash and they, they're deciding whether they want to go with this multifamily deal or this self-storage mm -hmm. deal or your industrial deal, you can't really compare them. But how would they yeah. look at it to underwrite the deal and make sure, OK, I'm comfortable with this investing in this in industrial, this flex industrial deal? Yeah. I think it mainly comes down to supply and demand metrics. I mean, that, that's that been the biggest problem with multi or self-storage, which have kind of been the, the big asset classes in the past couple of years for LPs, um, is mainly looking at markets, looking at what the sponsor's buying. Is there room to run in that asset class as far as the supply and demand? Is it being overbuilt in the markets they're buying into? I mean, you can still find good deals even in overbuilt markets, but overall, is, is the asset class becoming overbuilt? Flex Industrial is not as well as looking to see what the cash flow looks like day one. These are value add deals, but for the most part, these cover well over one-to-one -one on the debt day one. So we're able to, to go in with the cash flowing asset, greatly increase it, but it's not like we're starting from zero or behind the eight ball kind of thing. Okay. And what is the debt like on these deals? You know, we've all, we all know that interest rates have gone up and everything's become more complicated. How, how are you finding debt? What kind of terms are you getting? And, and is it fixed debt? Is it adjustable? Can you just kind of talk about, about that part of the, the deal? Yeah. Um, fortunately, we've always done flex, or I'm sorry, we've always done fixed rate debt. So we don't, haven't had any problems there. Uh, we proceed continuing to do that. It's just a lot safer and, and not worth the risk. Um, especially with how the yield curve is, you're not really even getting any benefit to, to float stuff these days. But most of our debt comes from either life insurance companies, CNBS, or bank loans, primarily bank loans for, for the heavier value add kind of stuff. And those are also smaller assets and say the three to $10 million range bank is going to be your, your best bet. Um, we will go ahead and go in and have a construction component to be able to do the tenant improvements, do the leasing commissions, do the renovations that we want to do to the exteriors on the front end. And wrap that into the loan. Um, but on bank loans, we're seeing 70% loan to cost, uh, 25 year AMs, five year terms, um, and then rates right now anywhere from seven and a half to eight and a half. Um, 
CMBS, we don't have any in origination right now, so I won't really speak to that. But on LifeCo, life insurance companies like Flex Industrial a lot. We have that portfolio in Jackson under contract, uh, and we have a life insurance company doing the debt on it. Um, rate is 5.95, which we were really happy to get. 25-year yeah. AM, five-year term, um, three years of interest only, and um, it's about a 65% LTC loan, though, so a little bit lower leverage, but we're happy to get it. So lending's really open. Uh, it's a, banks seem to get the asset class. Um, and a lot of times we find that, that they know it because they bank, especially like local bankers will bank, say HVAC contractor or GCs and those kind of tenants that we usually use. And so if they talk to their HVAC contractor, their HVAC contractors usually complaining about not being able to find space. So it's pretty easy sell on our side to be like, well, you, you can see the proof right there that there's yeah. good demand for this asset. And you, you talked about value add. So you, you do some rehab and you fix up these, yeah. these properties, but you also said that there's, you know, roughly 70% um, maybe occupancy when you buy it. Mm -hmm. So are you, and, and three to five year rent or lease terms. So mm -hmm. how do you push the value and the rents? If you have long-term tenants already in there, but you're spending money to make it better for new tenants and the old tenants, how does how does that all work together? Yeah. So usually while they are three to five year leases, the weighted average lease term, the wall will be about one to two years on. on so you'll have some tenants that will buy a deal sometimes and just know that even when we sell this asset, it's going to be a, a below market rent because they have a 10 year lease or something crazy like that at really low rents. Um, but usually on the renovation piece what we were doing on that i can speak to we redo the exteriors we paint the buildings we redo the landscaping replace roofs re um do the parking lots if needed kind of freshen up that the asset and then on the interiors a lot of what we do is, is roof out office space um so for instance a couple of deals we've bought are 70s even 80 percent occupied and the main reason is is because they've taken these office warehouse suites how they were constructed in the 80s or 90s and then over the past 40 years, built them out to be maybe 80% office, 20% warehouse, which is not what people are looking for anymore. So we can go in there, rip out the office, turn it back into a 50 50 uh, office warehouse flex kind of piece or a suite and um, drive up occupancy by doing that. Um, but then by that point, like you're saying, you're signing three to five year leases, which at the new rate. So it's going to be blended by the time you sell it, um, which does leave a little bit more meat on the bone for the buyer and um, helps you be able to to sell that story too. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. We appreciate you coming on the show. If listeners are interested in learning more about what you do, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. So I am on Twitter um, a little bit. It's Reeves underscore grant and that's R E A V E S underscore grant G R A N T. Um, as well as our, our website, stoic EP.com. Um, and then my email is G Reeves. So G R E A V E S. Um, at stoicep.com. So either of those avenues, love to talk to anybody that wants to talk about Flex Industrial. That's all we do. So that's what we enjoy talking about. Perfect. We'll put that all in the show notes. And again, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show. It has been a pleasure to be the guest host today. If you'd like more information about left field investors and how we educate limited partners, provide a network, and give access to deal flow, please visit leftfieldinvestors.com or reach out to me directly at jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. I hope you learned a lot from the show today. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share the Real Estate Syndication Show with your friends so they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.